Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show. It says here the world's favourite cricket show. Although, let's be honest, uh, we've never really been too fussed about cricket, have we? So, shall we talk about <laughs> tennis or something instead? What's, what's going on in archery? Yeah, I mean, it's all go, I think. So, it's, it's halcyon days for, for English archery. So, Well, I'm Adam Bayfield and I'm your host for this one. And, uh, and with me, as always, to talk about archery is Tony Kerr. Yeah, watch her. How's it going, Tone? Good, I guess, <laughs> in some regards, yeah. You said you're excited for this, you're pumped up for this. Well, I'm just pumped up. To, I just want to sort of, you know, you know let you off the off the leash, really. Um, just looking forward to seeing what, you know, the long overdue sort of volume two of the Bayfield Report. It's, it's, it's you know, it's going to be written, it's going to be written uh, live, well, not for listeners, but live for me, you know, oh, I'll hear the sort of first draft of it, so that's quite exciting. Well, I've got a team of scribes here on hand, um, just just ready, ready to go. P- uh, pen and paper in hand. They've got they've all got quills in hand, uh, <laughs> and they're ready to to get this report written. Um, yeah, no, well, it's quite an easy one this for you, isn't it? Saying quite an easy gig this. You just uh, you know you sit back, um, open up a new save on Chapman O One O Two, and then just you know occasionally. Uh, <laughs> occasionally just chime in exactly and, just go, and how does that make you feel and those, <laughs> sort of, those sorts of things so yeah there's there's quite a bit to talk about isn't there with with the ashes um i don't know if uh if you're aware tone but england have lost the ashes uh so we're going to be talking about that today i don't know did it did it did it spoil your christmas tone did the ashes spoil your crimbo or did you manage to get through it okay well, I suppose not really, because they were, they were over sort of long before Christmas, really, weren't they? <laughs> In many ways. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really, you know, the, the sort of, I don't know, that little sort of jab in the stomach. Yeah, you sort of, you know, I was kind of well over that by the time the, the real Christmas festivities started. Yeah, so all good. And, you know, as I said last week, um, in a way, I, you know, I, I watched it all live last night. I say all of it, you know, whatever it was, the hour and a, hour and twenty minutes it took to to finish off, whatever. Um, you know, it was just a relief that sort of going to bed knowing the result. You know, I didn't have to get up in the morning and check it. So, um, more relief, really. I genuinely because I've been quite tired the last few days, and I, I think part of the reason is because if I wake up in the night, I have to check the cricket score, and then it's always dismal, and it. Just, <laughs> <laughs> it's like hard to get back to sleep whereas I was, I was actually thinking to myself earlier oh it's such a relief tonight to just go, go to bed and not have to worry about <laughs> a broken night's sleep because of the cricket so um yeah which is very much the opposite of, of how I was feeling coming into the ashes when I was quite excited by the prospect of some some overnight cricket scores but anyway let's talk about it Tone um because yeah after uh 12 days of cricket uh, which, as several people have pointed out, is less time than England spent quarantining in Queensland. The Ashes are done and dusted. England's Ashes dreams have evaporated in the Australian sun. After a horror show in the first two tests, which we've obviously talked about at length, um, if anything, the Boxing Day test in Melbourne was even worse, uh, with Australia wrapping up an innings victory inside seven sessions to keep hold of the Ashes for a third series in a row. Uh, Australia winning the toss and putting England in on Boxing Day uh, and uh, got off to a good start. They had England 13 for two, but but England recovered a little bit with with Root and Milan, but they lost Milan 
Uh, so the last ball before lunch, and then that sparked a collapse, uh, and they were all out for 185. Australia in reply, well, England did bowl well. They bowled very well. And in fact, on day two, they had their best day of the series by some distance. Uh, they they reduced Australia to 180 for six and then 219 for eight. There were some, some irritating lower order runs from Cummins and Stark. And Australia did take a, a, a decent first innings lead of 80 or so. They were all out for 267 with Jimmy Anderson taking four for 33 in 23 overs. But it seemed like England were back in the game. However, a fairly extraordinary final hour on day two. Some world-class test bowling from Cummins, Stark and Scott Boland on test debut. Uh, meant that England finished uh, finished up the day, uh, what were they, 31 for four overnight. And as you say, Tony, it didn't take long uh, to finish on the third morning and they were all out for 68 with Boland on debut taking a quite jaw-dropping six for seven in four overs. Just uh, even just saying that, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's still unbelievable. So that sealed the victory for Australia uh, by an innings and 14 runs. So what happened here, Tony, is England managed to bowl Australia out for less than 300 and still lost by an innings. Uh, that was their ninth test defeat this year, which equals the unenviable record set by Bangladesh in 2003. Uh, they've now lost 12 of their last 13 tests in Australia, going back 11 years. And the Ashes are over. It's 3-0 to Australia with two to play. So, Tane, England have had a, a, a terrible time in Australia over the last decade. Uh, and we certainly weren't optimistic coming into the series. We both expected England to lose and to lose heavily. But even so, has this been worse than we feared? Yeah, I don't, well, it has to be, I think. Yeah, I don't, I, as you say, I don't think anyone was, was hugely optimistic about England's chances of doing... Um, anything kind of meaningful but I think largely people thought well you know obviously Joe Root has had a stellar year you know there was some bright spots you know Mark Wood going you know taking Mark Wood into an Ashes series down under uh, you know in a in a seemingly sort of fitter um, a more reliable place so that there was there was an, and Ben Stokes back there were there was enough to think that you know England should be at least able to to I don't know to give give us something, but yeah, I mean it, it's it's astonishing, utterly astonishing how limply and kind of just catastrophically England have, have, have sort of yielded here, isn't it? What, what, the deficit was thirty six when Stokes got out. I mean, so it, yeah, obviously England started as you say, you know, four down. Leach was one of them, so you know, effectively three down if you like with what, about 50 runs, the, the difference. Um, you know, there was a moment watching it in the morning with, with, with Root and Stokes kind of stroked a couple of nice boundaries. But yeah, to, to lose Stokes and 36 down, I suppose before he went, you thought, well, yeah, may, just maybe, you know, we can set, England can set Australia, what, 100, 150, um, you know, and maybe there'll be something interesting to follow on, um, to, to follow. For Stokes to go with 36 the deficit and England still to fall 14 runs short is an absolute... I mean, it is a farce, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's as bad as it's, it's been in our lifetime, I think, in terms of just disintegrating. And obviously it sparked today. Uh, this is the thing, is that if you're in the cricket, in the cricket sphere, and like, I suppose like us, you know, whatever, you, you, you follow lots of cricket accounts on Twitter or something, which is obviously where, you know, we spend most of our time. 
lurking. Um, you'd think it was obviously a, a huge event, and obviously within cricket, it is a huge event. And the stuff that's been written today and chatted about England has got English cricket has got a lot of thinking, a lot of work to do. Um, how much it registered outside of that, I don't know. Uh, which is obviously, you know, will it be as big a concern? I'm sure. Um, yeah, the whole thing's just a, a, yeah, somewhat disastrous at the moment. You mentioned that it's like it's it's as bad as it's been in our lifetime, and that kind of preempts a, a question I had for you, Tom, which is where does this rank in the kind of in the great pantheon of English cricketing humiliations? Where does this sit? Is is this the lowest moment? in our lifetime i think so because yeah well certainly in my in my sort of uh memorable lifetime i don't know that you know obviously there was some there was some pretty dismal stuff um in the 90s which you know i suppose we were raised on that was that became almost you know we sort of you know that was like in a way that you know it should feel kind of comfortable this mm. this sort of you know meek uh, humiliation is sort of a nice, sort of yeah, a nostalgic place to be. But I, I, yeah, I think given that it's not a sort of freak incident, it's not, it's not come out of the blue. It's not well, you know, the, it's two one in the series or whatever, and the something to play for. It's the fact that it's come off the back of it. I, 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 yeah, it's come off the back of you know just a, a sort of a very gradual and then very sudden slide almost into the abyss. I mean, I, I sort of uh, try to to look at the mitigating factors over the last few years um, at various stages. And, you know, there are times that, that things perhaps just haven't fallen England's way. But, but when you look at, yeah, when you look at the kind of the whole performance on and off the field in this series, things that have happened, been happening over the last few years sort of start to kind of sort of fall in line and, and the picture becomes quite clear. It's a good way to think about it that, you know, it's like, oh, it's, oh, it's just wonderfully nostalgic. You know, it really, it really takes me back <laughs> to the nineties. It's a good sort of way to cheer yourself up and say, oh, this is just like the nineties. So that's that's how I, that's how I'm approaching it. I'm just uh, in watching the highlights. I stick on my Chumba Wumba records and uh, <laughs> transport myself back to the nineties. But now, I mean, I, I have been thinking about this. I did say on Ashes Daily that it, this is the the most depressed I've ever felt about the England cricket team. I think this is right up there in terms of worst moments. It's, it, I suppose it's easy to be rose tinted about some of those, uh, some of the humiliations of the past and particularly thinking about Ashes series and Ashes whitewashes and to, to be rose tinted about 2006 and 2013. Those were abject performances in and of themselves. And we weren't very forgiving of them at the time, but in the case of 2006, they were up against an all-time great team with McGrath and Warren and Ponting and so on. And on, on both of those occasions, and even in the 90s, you know, there were at least moments, or there were, there were individual performances, there were things where you felt like England were in it, or they could be in it, or there was at least always the chance that someone could get stuck in, that there were genuinely world-class players getting stuck in, you know, that, there were, that, that Peterson might turn something out, or Bell might turn something out. Cook might turn something out, you know, and he felt that England could compete and give them a run for their money, even if they didn't. This time round, that's just not the case. They're just, they've just been nowhere. And you sort of think like, yeah, this is, England have performed basically exactly as well as they can. So it's just been pretty dismal. I mean, all that said, just to 
I was going to say I want to start. I've obviously I've just said something very negative about it, but I was going to I was going to say I wanted to start by trying to be charitable or to be to be as kind as it's possible to be to England because there are there are some extenuating circumstances here, and obviously a, a big one being the pandemic. Um, you know, and it, it's possible that we'll look back in a few years and think, you know, wow, that was a, that was a really weird time in cricket when it just a lot of weird stuff was happening. England's you know, have played more international cricket during the pandemic than anyone else by quite a long way, and certainly by comparison with Australia. And I don't think we should underestimate the kind of mental burnout that that could be coming around as a result of that and, you know, the bubbling and all of that. It also means that they've had absolutely no practice coming in and there's no opportunities for practice in between matches. And you look at Ben Stokes and he's clearly just not match fit. And then somewhere, someone like Zach Crawley, there's no opportunity for him to find any form. So COVID is a factor here, definitely. But then also trying to be charitable, you know, clearly this has been a desperate year for England, but they have had a difficult run of fixtures this year, a tour to India, home series against New Zealand and India, who are the best two teams in the world. And then going to Australia is always really difficult. And those are the three best teams in the world by miles. And they've all, all, all three of them have got, great bowling attacks by historical standards. So it has been a, a, a tough run of fixtures. Next year looks a bit easier. They've still got some difficult assignments. New Zealand at home again, they're going to Pakistan, but going to the Caribbean, South Africa at home, not going to be easy by any means, but it, it, it looks easier than this year. So, I mean, that, obviously there's no excuse. As, as I say, Australia, India, New Zealand are the three best teams in the world. There's not really any excuse for why England aren't on the same level as those three teams. But anyway, that is just the fact that those are the three best teams in the world at the moment. And this Australian team at home with this attack is very, very good. So there's some mitigation, but that is as charitable as I'm prepared to be because even allowing for all of that, it's been a complete shambles. So I, I've I've got a lot to say, Tone, but I, I realise I've been speaking for a while. But what, so I'll talk no, no, about well, for you. Well, I'm sure we'll come on to Silverwood and Root and the sort of leadership roles in a bit. But yeah, as you've just outlined, you know, there are mitigating circumstances to a certain extent. And as you say, it has been a tough year. But in a way, that really only serves to underline kind of how ludicrous some of the things that have come out of Chris Silverwood's mouth have been this year and the approach and the mentality and the the way that the the year has been kind of billed and um, sort of roadmapped. And, you know, those quotes are going uh, to hang around like a, a very bad smell, aren't they, for a long time. The idea, you know, what he said at the start of the year about, you know, looking forward to New Zealand and India as a, as a great warm-up for as they sort of look to progress and, and improve ahead of the ashes, all this kind of stuff. Really, the sensible thing to have said at the start of the year, given that, as you say, that we're still in the midst of a pandemic, there's been all the extra pressures and the the protocols and restrictions around the squad, would have been surely to say, look, we're going to win. This, it's a massive year, um, incredibly exciting to be hosting the top two sides of the world and then and then obviously having a tour done. And, you know, we're going to take each series as it comes. We're going to enjoy each series in its own right. All this, you know, perhaps it's just poorly advised or it's just, I mean, you know, the interview after the game today was, was bizarre. And I guess we'll come on to that, but the whole approach to this year has been, has been pretty, um, yeah, pretty disastrous. I know we harp on about that quote that he gave in a way. It might be a bit unfair because it's possibly that that might be a failing of just like 
uh, media training or like it's it's a failing of comms. I'm, I'm sure previous coaches, you know, some if not all previous coaches have thought the same thing or, or saw it as their job to to be focused on the on the Australia tour, but it just it just was a very poor bit of communication. Um, so yeah, we will come on to to Silverwood's comments for sure. Um, his interview today and, and his position, but yeah, it was just just as a kind of big picture review it is as i say there are there's some mitigation that that only holds up to a point really it's it it has been a total shambles they've been completely because it's not just that they've lost it's that they've been utterly eviscerated and and at times they've been eviscerated by the australian reserves i mean you know a lot of these guys wouldn't have even heard of scott boland a few weeks ago i don't think and he's come in and taken six for seven in four overs it's like dreamlike really isn't it so the 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 batting has has been pathetic as it has been for years and years and this year i mean root aside only one century by an england batsman this year in this series, only Root and Milan have even made 50. Stokes has averaged 16. Hamid's averaged 10. And as you said on Ashes Daily Zone, even Root hasn't actually done enough. You know, it, it, it's all very well people kind of standing here now saying, well, yeah, yeah, of course Root is world-class and of course Root is delivering. And to some extent he is, but he's actually, he's having an okay series with the bat, but no more than that. And as you pointed out, you know, Smith in 2019 did almost single-handedly bat Australia into that series. And um, and unfortunately, Root hasn't been able to do that. Uh, and he hasn't been able to do it all by himself. So that's not, it's not to criticise Root because he clearly hasn't got any support, but it's not the case that he's scoring double hundreds and no one else is contributing in this series. So yeah, it's just, um, it, it, it's, it's a total failure, really, isn't it? It's a complete and utter failure. I think exactly that, you know, once again, uh, in this second innings, you know, the start of the day, um, uh, you know, Root and Stokes at the crease. In the end, Root only, uh, you know, could only make 28. And he was, he was, uh, yeah, he was um, dismissed by Boland, who, as you say, had an extraordinary day. And, and uh, you know, so much to enjoy about that performance and the story of, 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 his, um, of his test debut, for sure. And, he, you know, he seems like a very... Um, well, it was just you know the way he carries himself, uh, and, and you know obviously the, the 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 you know what turned out for him on that debut was so extraordinary that he almost seemed slightly embarrassed for himself. I don't know. It was like um, in a way, I think the Australians probably some of them will be almost sheepish about, and it won't be, but was sheepish about the way the way it panned out in the end because it was it was just so easy, too ridiculously easy in the end. Well, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, we'll, we'll come on to talk about Australia in a minute, but yes, I do agree that you know they they might well feel sheepish, uh, and and it's also slightly difficult to assess them. You know, in, in terms of thinking like, well, what, what what do you say about Australia after this series? Because it has been too easy. We've not. I don't know how much we've learned about Australia necessarily, but um, well, that's it. Is that you know, and, and all the you know all the the stories and the narrative and the build-up to the Ashes series. And, you know, you hear from the players and they say, you know, the Australian players head of the series, Pat Cummins and the like saying, you know, it's, this is the pinnacle. This is the, this is kind of where, you know, careers are judged. Um, you know, the, the, the Ashes theatre is, you know, the greatest test and all this stuff. And, and obviously, you know, Pat Cummins hasn't done his career any harm by obliterating England, 
you know, being um, elevated to the to the to the captaincy so soon before a series, and, and you know, he couldn't really have done much more with the ball. He was exceptional. So, but you know, they won't get much. Well, maybe they was to say they won't get much value from after dinner speeches, you know, down the years about this series. But they almost certainly will. <laughs> <laughs> but they won't. You know, they're, they're not exactly going to be sitting around tonight with a huge amount of respect for for what England have produced in this series and, and that kind of that sort of camaraderie that would come from a good tussle. It's been uh, anything but. We talked a little bit about Silverwood and yeah, his his interviews today, you know, talking about how, you know, there are positives to take up out of this series. I mean, I do understand why they don't want to stand there and like pair into everybody or, or stand there and say, yeah, it's dreadful, you know, but but stuff like that, stuff like saying, well, we'll take the positives out of this, you know, it just makes them it just makes them look bonkers. Um and is is maddening as a fan, really, isn't it? So so he his position is obviously uh, well. I was going to say under scrutiny. I, I think it's 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 going to be untenable. And I'd say Joe Root's position as captain the same. I, I wonder whether he's lost the dressing room. We I don't know if you saw Tone the comments that Anderson made before the game. So obviously, and we talked about this. Obviously, after Adelaide, Root was complaining about the bowlers not. Um, you know that the bowlers bowled the wrong length then Anderson going into this test was saying he wasn't he didn't mention Reed, but it was slightly pointed a quote he gave in an interview that he was sort of saying well if our length is too short we need information fed back to tell us to push it up and you know and which I thought was a pretty ridiculous thing to say but also it was sort of that my inference was that they'd had a bit of a falling out over that so it's possible that there's some, yeah, that, that we may not have the support of the team anymore anyway, but also, yeah, I just, I, I, I don't want to keep harping on about it because I, I say the same thing a lot, but I, I just, I don't see Joe Root as a leader. I'm not sure he's a great man manager. It certainly doesn't seem to be producing, you know, performances and improvement from his team. So, I've never been able to see what the benefit of Joe Root being captain is other than he's England's best batsman and therefore should be captain. And and this series, he said himself, is what he should be judged on. And it's been an absolute calamity. So I think he just, he has to go. Yeah, I mean, he, he seems like a great guy and he comes across very well. And he's, he's a thoroughly, thoroughly, exceptionally enjoyable batsman to watch on form. Um, and he's like one of the only good things about this test side at the moment, but I completely agree. I, I, you know, he needs to be, he needs to be liberated of that burden, I think. Um, and, and, you know, who knows, you know, who knows what kind of heights he could hit in the next three, four, five years, uh, you know, as, as just, as just a gun batsman. So, yeah, I think I, I agree. I think both, both roles I think should change. So yeah, they, they both need to go, but it can't stop there. Can it really Tony? you know, the, the fish rots from the head, as they say, and surely Tom Harrison and the ECB need to be in the fire, firing line as well. They're not going to sack themselves, are they? So I, 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 I'm not sure this is going to happen. But they've, if if there's any uh, any logic, any justice in this, then they they really need to be uh, under pressure because they have. You know, we talked a lot about the batting and said it is a systemic problem. It's a system wide issue, England as a nation, is not producing test-quality batsmen and hasn't for a long time. And we're talking 10-plus years that no England batsman other than Joe Root, no English batsman has 
come into test cricket and succeeded. And that is, um, that's a stunning indictment of cricket in England. And it's gotten worse over the last few years when this particular administration has been in charge and they have, they've presided over English cricket in such a way that it's created this situation where they've just absolutely capitulated in Australia on what is supposed to be the kind of pinnacle tour. So they, they have to take some responsibility for that. It can't all be, it's not all Chris Silverwood and Joe Root's fault. It's that they, they can only work with what's in front of them. And yeah, they're, they're not, uh, they're not getting the most out of what's in front of them they're, you know, and there's, there's definitely that they've made a series of poor decisions, but nonetheless, they can't magic test quality batsmen out of thin air. So I think there has to be some kind of root and branch uh, reform and my scribes here are, are, are scribbling furiously uh, on the Bayfield report, but there, there has to be some kind of uh, examination of and reform of grassroots cricket in England and, you know, going down to schools and clubs and, and how talent is being brought through and nurtured and cultivated. And also, uh, I think there needs to be a, a, a conversation led by the ECB on the the profile of cricket in England. And you've talked about this, Tone, that this series, all right, people are talking about it a bit today just because of how uh, dramatic a, a catastrophe it, it's been. But, you know, the Ashes just it hasn't, it hasn't been as big a deal as the Grand, the Grand Prix the other week. And that's a, another indictment, really. And it is about the fact that, you know, it's not on free-to-air TV and hasn't been for a long time. And, you know, and, and cricket just isn't as big a deal as it was when we were kids. So these are big questions that and big problems and there's no easy solution but it's it, it's that serious it's that stark now that that is yeah. what needs to happen yeah no 100 um, cricket i think cricket as we know it in england is at stake because i know it probably has been for it, it has probably you know there'll be some people saying well the writing's been on the wall for for you know a good number of years or that you know the issues have been highlighted and certainly they have and i think you know we have spoken about these issues over the last over the over well over the 11 or 12 years that we're doing this but yeah for me well I agree with you that that the whole thing needs to be looked at now and 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 serious moves both structurally and financially need to be made to 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 basically yeah create a situation where long form cricket test cricket and and and, and the like is still a going concern in England like in 10 years time because it the way things are headed it's 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 desperate um yeah I mean I suppose we could come on to I mean there's so many issues and I don't think any one um any one thing is more important than, than another you know there's been so much spoken about today as you say be it the county setup the county scheduling um you know where Red Bull cricket fits into the summer in England now the way kind of cricket is played in schools and uh, which schools are playing it and, and, and all of that stuff. It's all got a part to play um, in kind of solving this or at least, yeah, in, in setting up cricket in England for a positive future. Um, look, at, the mo- at its most basic, I, I, and I suppose they would say, the ECB and Tom Morrison would say, well, that, that's what they're trying to solve with the 100 and that, that you know, or the issue of, of getting youngsters enthused about or young people in different audiences enthused about cricket is the issue they're trying to solve with the hundred. But without 
doing the same or doing or yeah, having any kind of real like intention and uh, strategy behind the other side of cricket, then you know, then it, it probably falls away, which is pretty scary. Like for me, the only way to get the way to get people truly engrossed in a sport is for them to play it as a kid. Whatever's happening um, in terms of you know getting you're broadening the base of the sport uh, isn't it clearly kind of isn't enough. But as you say, though, it's about the moment the, the kind of here and now issue is is about finding players and batsmen in particular, obviously, that are capable of performing in this environment. The evidence from the last few years is pretty weak that, that, that we've been able to do it. So presumably it's going to get worse before it gets better, which is quite a, quite a harrowing thought from an English cricket fan's perspective. Well, definitely. And yeah, there's a, a great article um, I would thoroughly recommend by a friend of the show, Jonathan Liu, today. But, you know, he was kind of, well, his, his, his fundamental message was, if you think this is rock bottom, think again and it, it it could easily get worse or you know it just could continue to ossify you know and, and he was sort of drawing a comparison with uh the west indies in the in the late 90s early 2000s that actually maybe this this is just that test cricket is dying in england um and that might be too dramatic but it's definitely at risk and and, and i think actually that as much as we should, you know, as much as we can uh, lambast the ECB over this and they 100% deserve it. I think we, the the public, the cricketing public and cricketing media and, and every all cricket people in England share some, um, or, or share some involvement, I should say, um, and need to have, because we, there needs to be a conversation. There needs to, you know, people need to decide what they want cricket to be. Because, so like, do do we want, white ball cricket do we want the hundred to be the focus or do we want longer form red ball cricket test cricket to be the focus if we want test cricket to be the focus there's a lot of changes that need to be made to the structure of cricket in england and that might mean deprioritizing other things and so why i say that everyone kind of shares some responsibility here is because we did bang on for a long time about how bad england were in white ball cricket and that the ecb weren't giving enough um, attention priority putting enough investment into that and now England are the best team in the world in white ball cricket so was there a kind of Faustian pact made in 2015 um, to sort of sacrifice uh, test ambitions and, and I'm not sure that we necessarily signed up for that if that's you know because I, I don't think it should be one or the other and you look at obviously Australia have just won the world T20 and then you know are are that's this good still in test cricket and New Zealand are brilliant in all formats. So it shouldn't be that you have to choose, but perhaps in England <laughs> you do, or they did choose to prioritize white ball cricket. So if now we are actually saying, no, we, the cricketing public would rather see England compete in an Ashes series in Australia than, you know, compete in a 50 over world cup, then we need to make that very clear. I think. Yeah. I don't That's easy said than done. I, I, I don't know. I, I suppose the, the turnaround in England's white ball fortunes was astonishing. Um, it, it didn't take very long and it, it seemed almost just to be um, a case of, well, a mindset change and clearly good leadership um, and certainly good captaincy and, and, a, and a good, um, uh, yeah, good kind of, yeah, as I say, mindset shift, positive mindset shift. And then suddenly like players have kind of emerged out of that, it seems to have been almost like a self-fulfilling 
prophecy. Clearly, any any kind of pivot back towards Red Bull, you'd think, is going to take longer. But as you, yeah, I, no, I completely agree with you. There's got to be room for there's got to be room for for all of it. Would improving England's Red Bull chances be have to be at the expense of sort of fifty over success and progress? I, I kind of I don't, I don't necessarily think so. Well, I don't think it should be no, but you know, in the sense that I think it's definitely possible to be good at everything, as I say, a la New Zealand. But I, I do wonder whether the white ball success has come at the price of, of Red Bull by, you know, through the, the, the fact that the county championship has been shunted to the margins of the season. And, you know, and perhaps that's one of the reasons why England are producing a lot of white ball talent and not producing Red Bull talent. So if we want that to change, then there are those kinds of things that, that do need to change. Um, but and I think this is why I'm so kind of gloomy about it, Tone, because you know this feels like the nadir, but it also doesn't. It, it, it's not obvious how it's going to improve. You know the changes that are needed are enormous, but they're also not going to happen, or probably not going to happen. And that's pro- that might be too pessimistic, but I just you know with with that that white ball success came about through changes that were made and refocusing and 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 so on but that there was a financial incentive to do that as well and i'm not sure that that, that, that there is here so I, I don't know that it's necessarily going to happen no that's true um there was uh, I, I mean there's a good article really good article today from andrew miller for crick info which is well worth reading which is sort of a, a good a very very strong argument uh, kind of yeah across all levels i mean one thing that really struck me about that and i'm kind of I'd sort of forgotten that, and you know, we talked about all the players that have come into the England team um, who've not managed to uh, achieve an average of more than about thirty or thirty-five or forty or whatever it is. Um, but actually, when you look at those players that did come in in the in the, the, the period before that, they all there were so many of them sort of were scoring centuries from the get-go. Uh, Strauss, Kirk, Trot, Peter, you know, basically coming in and. And, and hitting the ground running and, and, and being the sort of ready-made machine, you know, all of these players who seem to come in now are, are sort of anything but that, aren't they? Mm. There's, no, there's no sort of even, there's not even been a sort of hint that, that they're going to come in and they might get mixed around and, and messed around and, and brought back in like the case of Crawley in this test. Um, but it's just like, it's kind of come in, get burned, off you go, really. Um, it's, yeah, it's an astonishing... Uh, contrast between those those players that yeah that formed the bedrock of such a successful England team for for those few years I haven't read that Andrew Miller article yet but I did see um the headline England's dereliction of test cricket threatens format as a whole and that that's one of my notes here as well Tane that um well that exact headline <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no that you know and this might be some people might accuse me of hyperbole in some of what I've said already today, and that this, if if so, this is more more grist to the mill for that. But but England are so bad, or have have been shown to be so bad here that they might actually be jeopardising Test cricket <laughs> because, and not not by themselves, but because it, it's like it's another team that we can now add to the list of teams that are really struggling to play Test cricket well. You know, and, and we're seeing this in, in as I say, in a, in a large number of teams around the world, particularly that there, there's been a kind of generational change and the new generation coming through 
aren't cutting the mustard and and so yeah this could what we're talking about with um you know england aren't producing test players well this is true of a number of nations and so and one of the reasons i think why it's taken a while for some people to cotton on to the fact that they cotton on to the the true state of this england team is that they have had some superficially good results over the last couple of years you know they won in south africa they won in sri lanka twice but actually those teams are both in desperate straits too and are not you know and are struggling to bring through new players and so you know you've got them and England, obviously, West Indies have had problems for a long time. Pakistan are erratic and have some of those problems too. So, you know, those three teams at the top of the rankings, India, New Zealand and Australia, are brilliant. But everyone else is kind of historically poor. So, yeah, this is not to say that it's England's fault. But, uh, you know, saying that England are jeopardising Test cricket is probably the wrong way of putting it. But it's like, I just don't think it can be good for Test cricket that that there's there's all these teams here and England are one that are really finding it difficult yeah i completely agree and and yeah given the success of the ipl you would be you'd sort of forgive uh or you'd be um you'd be sort of given to think that indian cricket would have sort of turned its back on on test cricket um to a certain extent uh and and the yeah yeah the absolute kind of um overwhelming number of of you know super talents in kind of white ball cricket there, but the fact that India have, have almost sort of bucked the trend, and you know, you, you've got Virat, Virat, I can't talk, you've got Virat Kohli, you know, clearly the superstar in India and is, uh, you know, a big proponent of test cricket, but you wonder sort of how long that continues if as well, you've got, you know, England's head coach is, is billing, a, you know, a prestige series as a warm up for something that turns into an absolute shambles. Um, you know that that will leave a bitter taste, and uh, yeah, as you said, uh, yeah, I don't know. It kind of it does undermine the whole thing. Clearly, we're embedded in cricket culture, but if, if you weren't and you sort of tuned into the the coverage on BT, you know, it, it sort of pulled together very very late. It's very low budget. Um, the whole product, or you know, the whole presentation of what is supposedly a marquee series is has been pretty poor. Um, yeah, I suppose given the given the circumstances, there are serious mitigations there. Um, if it sort of it weren't for the BBC, who are you know doing a, a decent fist in terms of highlights and prominence, you know, you, it would feel very much like a a real kind of third rate sport, like third class kind of production. Um, fairly dispiriting, I'd say. Yeah, we 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 often say, don't we? Uh, it's kind of a cliche when when there's a brilliant test match or brilliant finale to a test match, you kind of, it, it often comes out. It's a great advert for test cricket. Um, this has been an atrocious advert for test cricket really, hasn't it? Yeah. What about Australia? Tone? <laughs> Do you, I mean, we, we've talked at length there about how bad England have been. How, are we underselling Australia? Have we, have we, have we given Australia enough credit? Do you think? Well, I don't know really. Well, we haven't really spoken about them. So yeah, I suppose we haven't really given them enough credit. Um, they clearly deserve a good amount of credit. Um, what happened with Tim Payne heading into the series, you know, what, uh, could not have been a, a, an easy situation. In the end, maybe it's it's slightly worked in their favour in a sense on the field. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how it would have played out um, the other way round. Yeah, they, they you know they've obviously managed it very well. England obviously haven't really made Australia work very hard. Um, that and you know, in this 
in this match um, at Melbourne to bowl Australia out for 267. You know, that's not a, that's not a, a phenomenal performance with the bat by any means. Marcus Harris got 76 of them. You know, Steve Smith hasn't really been made to work. Um, England have been in the game with the ball. Um, so, yeah, perhaps, perhaps we, Australia's bowlers have been underrated in that sense. But uh, uh, then again, I don't think they really have. You know, people are talking about Pat Cummins as being one of the greatest, uh, you know, on his way, on the journey to being one of Australia's greatest ever, uh, if he's not already. Um, and the support cast have been, have been fantastic and, uh, and have done their job. You know, as to be fair, we've seen bowlers down the years in England do, you know, English county bowlers, if you like, coming in and doing very well in, in cameos in their home conditions. I don't think necessarily that's a, a huge surprise. Mm. Um, you know, I can think, you know, I can think of a few going back, you know, Toby Ronan Jones was, was really good in the test matches. He's played, he played against, against different class of opposition, but um, you know, there are, there are, there are bowlers that have, have, have had stunning performances before, maybe, maybe not in such a high profile or yeah, as, bowlers of should we say limited pedigree coming in and doing very well but but I suppose an Ashes series you know if we're if we're to believe the story is the big one so yeah maybe that that kind of yeah adds to the myth of of Boland in this in this match I mean whether you know how many more tests he gets in his career who knows um maybe none certainly he'll be yeah exactly he'll be you know he'll be an Australian cricket icon yeah Good quiz question. Um, yeah, well, that, I, I agree with everything you said, Tony. Yeah, I mean, the, the, we've, we maybe haven't given them enough credit. Um, like, as you say, they haven't necessarily been made to work uh, as, much as, <laughs> as much as you'd think, um, given the scoreline. But yeah, the, the, the brilliance of their attack, I think, can't really be overstated. Cummins has been sensational. So has Mitchell Stark as well. And he was obviously under a bit of pressure coming in. And I think he's probably bowled as well as he ever has in this series and really kind of um, enjoyed the responsibility of leading the attack in, in the absence of Cummins and Hazelwood. Um, the batting, as you say, has been a bit more vulnerable. And Steve Smith has not been dominant like before. Like they've, again, this is a bit of a another indictment of this England performance really that, you know, they've lost this badly and Steve Smith hasn't really contributed that much. Um, so yeah, the, the, the batting has shown a bit of weakness, but they, you know, they've, they've certainly done enough. Cameron Green, I think is a huge positive for Australia. So something that Australia have never really had is a, is a world-class all-rounder and, you know, possibly can't call him that yet, but it's, he does have a bit of a, a bit of the flint offs about him, doesn't he? In the sense that he looks like he he could easily be uh, a kind of front line seam bowler going forward. You know, he could be a kind of um, part of a three man seam attack, and we haven't seen that much from him with the bat. But by all accounts, he is. Uh, he, you know, he has got a lot about him with the bat as well. So that that's that's quite scary, I think, for for England and for other teams. Yeah, absolutely, and, and yeah, exactly. And you know, he's he's a He's a sort of big physical presence. He's he's been big fantastic unit. In, yeah, big unit. He's been great in the field. Um, yeah, he, yeah. He seems like he's got it all. Not necessarily that much to say about Australia beyond that. Uh, uh, as we say, they haven't had to be that good. Uh, Never really had to be that good, and to to kind of wipe the floor with England. But yeah, it's it's it, it's fairly amazing to me how little mention there's been of Tim Payne. Like just none at all, none whatsoever. And obviously, that's 
because Australia have played well and, and have won so easily. If England had put them under a bit more pressure than you know early doors, then perhaps the, the pain story would have would have would have returned. But yeah, there's just been zero mention, and it's you know Pat Cummins is the hero is going to you know get a ticker tape parade and everything. But um, so I do feel a bit sorry for Tim Payne uh, on a personal level. Um, you know, not least because he he did I think play an important role for Australia in kind of reconstructing their team and their reputation post Sandpaper. Um, and he he did an important job, I think, but it, it seems they don't need him anymore. His his absence has had literally no impact whatsoever, <laughs> which as a legacy is maybe not the best. Yeah, you're right. It is astonishing, actually. I, I haven't really heard his name mentioned until you texted me that this morning saying, funny how little mention has been of Tim Payne. I'd actually sort of almost forgotten completely about it. Well, yeah, I mean, I suppose you could argue the 100 was... A success. I mean, it, I suppose it was to a certain extent, but other than that, I mean, the last few months or the last two months have been about as bad as you could write, as you could have scripted ever at any stage, really, in the last kind of, I don't know how many years, you know, a, a, a horrific, overwhelming racism scandal, which sort of dominated the headlines, followed by the most pathetic ashes display down under in history. It's like, yeah, it couldn't have gone much. You know, they've got a few things to sort out when uh, when Tom Harrison gets back to work, when it, probably next Tuesday or whenever it is. Well, he's probably on holidays, you know, <laughs> like enjoying the bonus that he awarded himself this summer. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he might, it might be a while before he's back at the desk. Um well, we're going we're gonna to bring this to an end in a minute, but obviously, you know, we've talked a lot about the, you know, massive structural systemic problems in English cricket. Um, so, any changes for the next test? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you do, really. I mean, it's, it's going to be grim. Are you, uh, yeah, are you taking any positives out? Are you, yeah, what, what are you doing? Uh, I'm thinking I'm taking any positives out. I, I was thinking, obviously, did a, uh, a composite eleven before the series, which I think had something like six Australians and five England players. And I was, I was in my head, Tony. I was doing one in my head earlier, and I think you'd have ten Australians and one English player at best. You might sneak Anderson in there as the third seamer on the basis that it would be hard to pick one of Richardson or Boland, you know, after just one test. So, but so otherwise, it's it's all Australians um, because there's there's not a lot really to 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 uh, cling on to as an English, you know, sort of Robinsons. I have done okay, I suppose. I think. I mean, what happens in the next two tests? I don't know, and I'm not sure what they can do. I do think there needs to be a bit of a clear out after that. You know, go, going to the uh, ahead of going to the Caribbean. For me, Bearstow and Butler, this this should be their last series. Um, I think Root should be removed as captain. You know, people will say, "Well, who who takes over? Who's the who could do it?" And that is a fair question, but it shouldn't be Root. So I think there should be big changes coming in terms of personnel. But how much difference it will make, I don't know, because it is, yeah, it's it, it, the problems run much deeper than that. And we're not even going to the Caribbean this time, Tone. So it's uh, there's not, there's not much to look forward to. No. Oh, anyway, yeah, so are we going to rebrand as the World Archery Show then? <laughs> Archery Daily. Yeah, do I need to start preparing my notes? 
you uh, you mentioned the BT coverage just before, and I, I agree with you that it is it, it does continue to feel very budget. But they did have their own commentary team this time, didn't they? And it was nice to hear David Garrigan. That was what probably in terms of positives. That's my one positive yeah, to, to to take out of this test. Gower was that was good. very nice, actually. That was very nice. No, I, I mean to be fair, like yeah, I don't want to be too, too critical of, of the the BT team and. I, you know, Matt Smith is an able presenter, obviously, and and in terms of the pundits, it was, like, it was just, it's just, yeah, it's clearly, it clearly lacked the, um, just the kind of bells and whistles and the coherence and the the whole sort of all in sky coverage. Yeah, just it, it felt a bit, felt a bit limp. The Caribbean tours on BT as well, isn't it? Which is really annoying. It is, and yeah, in, in terms of like visibility. It just continues to disappear, doesn't it? Because I think the Caribbean tour, the radio rights are with Talksport as well. So, and yeah, this is not to criticise any individual company, but it just cricket is, you know, is disappearing from kind of English national conversation, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I suppose you've got to a certain extent the likes of Pierce Morgan. You, there are some high, pro, whether you like them or not, there are. There are high-profile cricket fans in and you, kind of, and you do, yeah. But no, there are high-profile cricket fans in the kind of in the national sort of popular conscience, shall we say? Farage, um, Farage, exactly. You know, good old Nige, <laughs> um, uh, Greg James. I guess you could put in that 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 not in the Nigel Farage mould, yeah. But you know what I mean. Um, you know there are you know there are there are some big supporters of, of cricket uh, in in kind of very public positions. But Tony you Kerr. wonder how Tika exactly Tony Kerr. You wonder though in ten twenty years what that will look like. I mean, it's like I, I don't know. Um, are you trying to think of a, a, a celebrity that young people care about? Yeah, I mean, do, do young people even care about Greg James? Probably not anymore. KSI does he like not since cricket? he got into cricket? Um, <laughs> yeah, KSI, I guess. Yeah, you're right. Chunks, what <laughs> Chunks, <laughs> or like, like I don't know what <laughs> anyone off Love Island. I don't know. Yeah. Dick and Dom, do they care about <laughs> cricket? <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what cricket needs is Dick and Dom. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, that's it. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm look. Cricket's not, it's not going away, is it? But I just accidentally, there's a bag of toys behind me. Just accidentally nudged one and it started singing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. What's next then? Where do we go from here? Oh, archery, mate. Archery. You were going to, at one time you claimed you were going to take up archery um, and that you, you were, 100% confident that you could get into the British Olympic team. Was that was that for London 2012 or was that after London 2012? No, I think that was for London 2012. I think that must have been like 2006 or seven, not long mm. after the bit, or whatever it was announced, I guess. How did that so go? It's going slowly, I'd say. <laughs> Things are moving slowly on that front. Again, don't want to disparage uh, the sport of archery or anyone who's good at it or likes it um, there we go. but I, I just yeah, I just felt you know someone with my skill set and physicality that archery would be the sport I think would be most likely to be alright at I think yeah well that's probably fair 
yeah with your your physicality exactly <laughs> that was a very delicate way of, of putting it yourself about yourself it's good to be diplomatic uh, with yourself isn't it um right do you I, think do you, on. just one question for you do you think given the there was all that uncertainty about whether the ashes would even happen do you think this debacle sort of had to happen in a way and and the, the fact that it has happened will be a positive for English cricket going forward or would it have been better if it just had, the series hadn't happened or been canned and we'd all just moved on to the Caribbean in February feeling pretty good about ourselves? I, at the moment, I, because uh, I've been thinking about that today, you know, is, is this a good thing or a bad thing? And at the moment, I think I'm leaning towards it being a good thing that this has happened because it it should force some honest conversations. And as I say, I'm, I'm quite gloomy in the sense that I don't necessarily think that changes are going to happen because I'm not sure there's a financial imperative to make the, the changes that are required. But I, I, as you know, Ten, I've been frustrated for a number of years that I feel that England have been uh, deluded and, and think they're, you know, that the, the players, management, ECB, all think that they're much better at test cricket than they are. And I think it's quite difficult now to hold that position. Um, although we're still <laughs> seeing it a bit. I did listen to the Test Match Special podcast. And even now, Agnew asked, you know, was asked, um, you know, what is the gulf between these teams? And he said he thought Australia were about 15% better, which to me is ludicrous. How can they be only 15% better after all we've seen here? Um, so, <laughs> you know even the media kind of close to the the team and so on they still continue to think that that England are a better team than they're than they're showing but but I do think it it will it will force some kind of self-reflection it has to um so I think it's a good thing um but but yeah whether whether it's gonna be enough to actually make the changes that are needed I don't know and I, I do you know I'm not trying to start a revolution or anything but I do think that we as fans and kind of cricket lovers we need to make our voices heard on this like they need to know that we're not happy with the situation this is not the way we want things to be um, and not that we don't want them to think that it doesn't matter if we get battered in the ashes so long as we're competing in in white ball tournaments like that's that's not good enough as far as I'm concerned and if other people feel the same I think we need to say so yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I agree. I, I, clearly, um, the, that 2011-11 win down under looks like it sticks out very much. You know, England have been bad in Australia for, for quite a while. Um, but if that's just going to be the case, if that's the position we kind of accept, then even, well, you sort of may as well not televise it live. Mm may as well just send them send the players down there and then just you know have a little kind of a couple hundred words in the paper each day yeah it'd be a lot easier to deal with that way for sure <laughs> a lot easier to swallow if you didn't have to see it <laughs> yeah it just comes in on a, a pathé newsreel once a week <laughs> exactly um oh well anyway so i think we've we've probably we've said our piece there haven't we that's so we, we didn't get um we didn't get who, who, who you bring in for the next test if anyone <sighs> There's just not many options. As, as I said before, this one, I would like to see Dan Lawrence given a go, but I'm not sure he's necessarily going to, going to make much difference. Unless they fly in 
some of the lion squad again they're, they're going to have to stick with this the same people largely aren't they i yeah i'd, I'd bring in lawrence for best though i mean hamid it's it might be unkind to play him in the next two tests but i you know i, I don't see who you know what else can you do really you can bring back burns but that would probably be bring burns back well. yeah but that might be unkind as well I'm not sure. To be honest, I'm not, I'm not sure there are any good options here. But but ahead of uh, ahead of the West Indies, I would be having a pretty substantial clear out and bringing in bringing back folks. But, but the, the, you do quite quickly run out of names, and you just end up going back. I mean, do we just start the whole thing again now? Do we go back to Sam Robson and Adam Lythe and just you know <laughs> and just start from scratch? Have another again? go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I'll have a think about about what should happen from here. I, uh, the next test starts, uh, well, it's Wednesday, the 5th of January, isn't it? Although it starts 11.30 p.m. On, on Tuesday, English time in Sydney. So we've got a, we've got a week now, Tone, to, to decompress. Good for that. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be it for the World Cricket Show this time. We got through it, Tone. We made it. We've done it. Are we going to try and do Ashes Daily for the rest of the series? I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you what the plan is for that. Um, I think we should do. I, th- I think we should try. We may yeah. not do every day. <laughs> ashes, some ashes brackets, some close brackets daily. <laughs> brackets. Ashes some days. Ashes some days. Yeah. Ashes some days. To be fair, it would be given the number of ashes daily products in the market, it might serve us well to, to differentiate by by going like, yeah, just kind of ashes, maybe. <laughs> that's that's true okay. someone did tweet us to say that they did uh, i think after the first ashes daily that they'd enjoyed it keep it going or not do what you want that's your usp yeah <laughs> yeah I, do. I like that yeah so yeah i've kind of taken that to heart okay ashes maybe that's what we're gonna call it all right well we'll be back uh early doors in sydney with ashes maybe but um until then if you enjoy the world cricket show get involved on social media or send us an email worldcricketshow at gmail.com i do I've, there's a quite a number of emails in the inbox which i haven't replied to yet i'll get around to that apologies if you're waiting on a response um but yeah we'll be back in sydney until then stay in school everyone thanks tone and i'll talk to you soon yeah cheers mate it's been fun Bye-bye for now.